When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, Chicago? It's the CHGO Sports Podcast, presented by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. I'm Kevin Kaduk, CHGO Head of Content, here today with Adam Hogue and Luke Stuckmeyer. And this is the general CHGO Sports Podcast. So if you're listening to this in your CHGO Bears feed or your CHGO Cubs feed, remain calm. <laughs> We, we like to upload into these feeds when we involve your favorite podcaster like Adam or Luke, and we hope you'll stick around. We do this every Thursday at 1230 uh, live on YouTube, so grab your lunch and come on in. If you're watching us right now, make sure you hit that subscribe button so you get notified uh, whenever we do go live. And uh, we, We've been doing this three weeks now, and it's been, been really great, and, and we appreciate everyone's support. But uh, how are you doing today, guys? Good, good. Love the sweetness. Thank you. Very nice. That is nice. That is nice. I'm not gonna lie. The I had to calm down the first time it popped up in my feed. I was like, "Well, wait a minute. This is in the wrong spot." No, okay, no. I understand why we're doing this. It's podcast strategy. We're trying to give as much CHO goodness to to people as as possible. So hopefully, people get accustomed to it and and get used to us. Like we're gonna switch people in and out. It's been a little tough because the Blackhawks and Bulls guys have been so busy doing their pre and post game show. So slack. I've been we've been leaning on Luke. Let's be honest. Luke and I are the only guys that have, have been on here all four weeks, um, but that'll probably change once you guys get into the teeth of the, the Cubs So you're season. kicking me out? Is that what's happening? All right. You're welcome anytime, <laughs> Luke. So, um, yeah, it's uh, look, uh, it's Thursday, March 24th. Adam, you and I, I think last weekend, were starting to peruse the, those StubHub sites looking for maybe a chance to see our Wisconsin Badgers mm-hmm. over at the United Center just up the road here. That did not happen. Rest in peace. That's how we're starting? You just bring me down like that? <laughs> this seems mean. Also, it's well, raining I, and cold outside. I, know. I, I, I wanted to talk about positive. the NCAA regional. I don't know if we have any Jayhawks 
<laughs> or friars or hurricanes yeah. or cyclones watching. So no, I don't know. You know, I did. I did get a chance to go to uh, the games in Milwaukee last Friday. Oh, you really? Oh, Friday. Yeah, I did go. Fr- I didn't go Sunday, so thankfully. I went Friday. Um, Iowa State's a pretty good team. They have. Um, I'm forgetting his name now. The guard who was at Minnesota. Fred Hoiberg. Fred Hoiberg. Yes. No, Kelsher. Yeah. Oh, no. Kelsher. Yeah. yeah, he was at Minnesota. He was lights out against Wisconsin. He's a good player. Um, so they'll get to play Miami. Uh, if I was Kansas, I'd be a little worried about Providence. Ed Cooley is a really good coach. Um, so there's some good games at the United Center, but I won't be there because I'm bitter. <laughs> Very sad. Uh, college basketball like occupies an interesting spot in Chicago sports because obviously it was huge during DePaul's days, yeah. and I think we've always wanted to go back towards that. DePaul has not cooperated, so it's just kind of, yeah. you know, it's you either root for your Big Ten team or or nothing. Sometimes it's 2005 Illini bubble up, but that's very rare. Loyola's tried. Loyola, Loyola's done sure. a great job of trying to fill that void that DePaul left back in the day. It's just not there yet. No, and and college basketball is different than it was then. You know, DePaul was huge in the heyday with Aguirre and Ray Myers the coach when before Jordan got into town. As a little yeah. kid, I didn't miss a DePaul basketball game, you know, on television or on the radio. It was crazy. It yeah. was the thing to watch. And then Jordan came along, and it was like, oh, the NBA's pretty good. And then that became fun, and DePaul had some good stretches in there. But now it's just uh, – I thought they were going to be – they were pretty good at the beginning of the season. I think that's the one – if I had to say one team in town that I would like to see explode into awesome. greatness, it would be DePaul because I think um, it would be fun to see again. Yeah, we had I had a cousin, a little cousin, a little older than me, who went to Ray Myers basketball camp in the early eighties, yeah. and you would have thought like he was being sent off to meet the Pope. I mean, that's really <laughs> what it was like. Really, what it was like. I mean, they were yeah. they were bigger than the Bulls, but um, yeah. So we're we're gonna talk a little bit about the Bulls. Not a great segue, but the Bulls right now, as we speak, are forty two and twenty six. Uh, they own the fifth seed uh, in the in the East. Not, not 42 and 26, 42 and 30. They own the fifth seed in the East. So what was the over-under again? Wasn't it 42 and a half? Are they one yeah. win away from getting the over? Yeah, they're going to get the over. Well, I, right? Are going they? Going <laughs> well, that's Are a good they? point. It's a good point. One year ago, we would have taken that in a snap. We said, hey, great, sign, <laughs> sign us up. But uh, you know what? They, they started 26 and 10. Yeah. And, and they've really been struggling here. Since CHGO launched, they are three and six, so it may be our fault. Blame it on us. Mm. They've gone in about a two-week stretch. Well, really, since we've been on, they went from, like, number one seed in the East to then, hey, you know what? Let's be realistic. Let's just get the home court and the four seed. And then a week later, it was, uh, so if we could avoid the play-in game. And uh, now Brooklyn's got Kyrie back, and you're like, yeah. uh... Yeah, yeah, let's just get in. I still think they're going to be okay. I think they're going to avoid, just barely avoid the play-in round. Um, because, like, they're still beating the teams they really should they be. Yeah. They just, they've gone through a rough stretch here with the schedule where it's been really, really tough. Like, having to go to Utah and having to go to Phoenix, playing the Bucks again. And yeah. I mean, it, it's, it, it's just been a sort of an unfortunate reality check that, They'll be fortunate to win one round in the playoffs, and it'll depend on the matchup. But, like, if they can match up against Cleveland, okay, there's probably a fun series that they can win, and then, you know, whoever they play in the next round, it probably won't go so well. If the playoffs started today, it would be Bulls versus Celtics 
any confidence they'd actually win that series. Uh, Celtics are one of the hotter teams right yeah, now. If yeah. it was in November, sure. But, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Zach's not himself. Like, you could no. tell Zach Levine's not himself. And you could tell that DeMar DeRozan took a lot of energy to do what he was doing to carry the team, and so that's right. kind of fallen off. And It's been a very strange season because it was so fun and we felt so giddy in November and December, even though they were overcoming a lot of hurdles. I mean, they had the most players in the, on the COVID list. Uh, they, they struggled with injuries early on, not as much as they have been now, but they had a, a stretch there at the beginning of the year where they won nine games on January 7th. They beat the, uh, the Wizards at the United Center to win their ninth straight game, and really ever since it's kind of been downhill. So it's kind of strange. I mean, obviously they're going to make the playoffs probably. They're going to end uh, that playoff list streak at four seasons, which is great. We're going to see playoff basketball. Um, I don't know quite if this is like a gem of a season yet. I don't. I, I just don't know how to reconcile it. It was. They can't beat good teams. That's another yeah. thing that kind of brings you back to reality. Every time they play a good team, it's a loss, and you're like, well, right. okay, there was another kick in the teeth against a team you were hoping to make a big statement win against, and it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it, it was certainly a very surprising team and exciting. Like, if people started jumping on board quickly – and I think uh, the hole, the hole in the bucket, has sprung another hole in the bucket. And there's another hole in the bucket, dear Liza, yeah. and there's another hole over here. And now you got a lot of water coming out. Uh, yeah, I still think it's a successful season. I think we got to keep expectations in order. And you know, I actually did expect a significant step forward. I bet the over on the wins okay. myself, um, but that's right where they are. And so that's kind of what I expected. So I can't say it's been disappointing. It's, right, it's, right. it's disappointing based on what they did early where they surprised everyone to such an extreme level. Because I certainly didn't expect they were going to be the one seed in East. No. So when they're sitting there at 26 and 10, you're like, whoa. There were uh, a lot of puffy chests yeah, yeah. around town then. Uh, that, that was a surprise, though, to, to get off to that sort of start yeah. and have DeMar playing at an MVP level. But that, I think, was... You, you were sitting there saying goal. this is unsustainable. Yes, I, I, th- I think you were. And obviously the injuries haven't helped. Um, but I'm content with them. I'd still like to see them win one playoff series like because that yeah. could help them going forward, just getting that experience and understanding what that feels like. But I'm, I'm content, uh, and I think that would help Zach Levine a lot too because he hasn't really had that opportunity. So is it a successful season if they just get to the postseason? I'm yeah. going to say no because of the start. I think they've got to yeah. win a playoff series. Yeah, it'd be it'd be a, it'd be a disappointing season if they don't win a playoff. Series. I think it depends on the matchup, you know, because if it is the Celtics at this point, you see the direction the two teams are yeah. going on. I don't know. It seems a little unreal. If they did play one of those upper echelon teams, though, let's say they did get bumped into that play-in game and yeah. then had to play one of the the beast of the East, and they played them, but. If they played them to six or seven games, okay, then I think that could be a successful okay. season. Agreed, but yeah, yeah. Let's see what the fight looks like in the playoffs. Let's see how they play. But I'm willing to accept this season as a significant step in the right direction, yeah. Because we have seen a lot of awful Bulls basketball, <laughs> and it is just yeah. nice to have them relevant again. I'm not saying yeah. that should just be the minimum ex- minimum expectation, but I'm okay with this being that stepping stone. Now, that raises the bar for next year, and they better improve on it. Mm-hmm. But with all the injuries, I mean, we're talking about Lonzo Ball not being out there. Um, Zach Levine's clearly, like you said, Luke, not himself. DeMar DeRozan's probably worn out at this point. And 
I, I think Caruso's still hurt. You can tell. Yeah, Caruso's not. I mean, we're talking about all the key players here. Yeah. So it doesn't seem fair to hold them to the standard that we did when they were 26 and 10 when everybody was healthy. Well, one way you could consider it a successful season is I think going go back like two years or when when they the new the new regime took over, they were trying to convince they had a job of trying to convince a big free agent someday this was a destination you would come to because all of a sudden the Bulls had become this spot where people used the Bulls as a bouncing ground to get a little more cash somewhere else and, yeah. and nobody ever came here. You right. know, they got DeMar and he wasn't, um, you know, people were saying it was the most overrated free agent signing out there. So now they've built a team where teams around the league can look and say, huh, I wouldn't, if I'm a free agent, the Bulls are now attractive. So in that way, they've built a successful stepping stone for the future they still have to find that one guy that's going to put them over the top probably yeah definitely well I think that it's kind of you know we talked about this kind of you know coming after a lot of down seasons and today's topic is the most surprising Chicago sports seasons and I I think if if we kind of look uh, at the teams we're going to talk about I think the common thread is they came after seasons that really weren't all that great, and and some were worse worse than others. But um, I just kind of want to sit here and, and and reminisce about some of the the teams that kind of came out of nowhere, and, and really kind of what sticks you know sticks with everyone. And and we've kind of gone through some, and I think this is going to be a cool walk down memory lane. And and we have some experiences, and that some of this was really when we were coming up, and when sports maybe meant the most to us. Um, so I'm going to start off with, with, with the 1998 Cubs. And you want to talk about a team that was coming off a horrid season. <laughs> 1997, they were 67 and 95, 68 and 94. Mm-hmm. And they had started the year 0 and 14. That was just uh, really awful. That I mean, that's. <laughs> Cap had to live in a. David Kaplan had that's to live right. in a bus for like two weeks to start the year because he said he wasn't going to leave until they won a game. They almost um, almost got no hit by Alex Fernandez in that in that opening uh, that opening losing streak. Harry Carey dies in February of 1998. That's right. I forgot about right that right before the season. Yeah, and they didn't make a lot of improvements to that team. No, they just started winning eventually. Sammy Sosa made some improvements. Oh come on, yes. give <laughs> Mickey Morandini more respect. They added Mickey Morandini, <laughs> Jeff Blauser, but they also added my favorite cup of all time, Rod Beck. Yeah. Oh, Rod Beck also rest in peace. Yeah. Yes, for sure. Shooter. Also lived in a bus a lot, if I remember right. <laughs> really? I think he did he like when he was when he was in Iowa and he would live in an RV and Yeah. Yeah. Down um, by the river. Right. <laughs> Van down Cap by the river. Wasn't that the bit? <laughs> Maybe that's the rest of that Chris story. Farley. Cap was living in Rod Beck's bus. To me, that was just a super fun season because so many different things happened. So many iconic things in Chicago Cubs history happened. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Sammy Sosa and the Mark McGuire home run chase. He had 66 home runs, uh, wins the MVP. I mean, just completely out of his mind in June, 20 home runs. Kerry Wood is a rookie. I remember going to his first start, which w- was the start before the 20K game. Uh, he went out and faced off, I think, against Hideo Nomo. And I remember going out there and the stands were packed with Japanese fans because, you know, everyone was making pilgrimages to, um, right. and they chased Hideo really quickly and all the Japanese fans like left, which I was honestly surprised. And I think Kerry Wood had a, a decent start, maybe like five strikeouts in five innings. And then I went back to school at Wisconsin 
And the following following start, he strikes out 20 against Just the missed it. Just, Just missed, missed it. it. So, I mean, that's maybe the most surprising baseball, one of the most surprising baseball games in Chicago sports history, that one. Right. I mean, because yeah. it was just, if anybody wasn't watching it, once they got to their television, it was just like, what? <laughs> the Cubs have who? It was amazing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I have a couple stories from that season because even though I grew up a White Sox fan, I lived on the north side in Lincoln Park and, uh, you know, could bike to Wrigley Field. And I'll never forget the Kerry Wood 20 strikeout game, getting home from school. And, like, that was – I loved baseball. I loved everything about baseball. So it was still part of my habit to come home and turn on the Cubs day games sure. when they were on, like it was for a lot of people across the entire country. Um, so – yeah, I'll never forget turning that game on and being like, wait, what's going on here? And then watching it all the way to the finish. Like, I still remember vividly watching it. Um, and then I actually got to go to the wild card game. Okay. The Or the... The, the tiebreaker. The tiebreaker yeah, game right, right. against the yeah. Giants. Um, and Gary Gaetti. Gary Gaetti. And I'll never Our forget twin. being there that night. Michael Jordan threw out the first pitch right. at that game. I have such a different experience with that team because although I grew up a Cubs fan my whole life, I was working my first job in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. My first TV job, I was probably doing weather at that point and news. Okay. And so I would see the games, but there was a lot going on in my life, and I was excited by it. For me, that team was surprising, but not as much as the 84 Cubs for me personally. 83, they were 71 and 91, and then Dallas Green hands it over to Jim Fry, and they tear down the roster. They trade Bill Buckner. They add Dennis Eckersley as a starter at that point. They trade for Sutcliffe midseason. That turns out he wins the Cy Young. Um, they added Bob Dernier. They added Sarge before the season. They, they reshaped the entire team, and they went from a 71-91 and 91 team. The Sandberg game happens. He pops onto the scene as the MVP, and they go all the – that was – for me, that's the most surprising season in Cubs history because what they went from to all of a sudden having an MVP and for the first time in my life, they were a real team. It wasn't just coming home and turning on the baseball game that was in the background. So for me, it was it was the 84 Cubs. The 98 Cubs were fun because of Sammy, but it just it was a different a different time in my life. That 84 Cubs team... That also seems to be like that, that had been 39 years since they made that 45. Yeah. So it's almost kind of like the next time the Bears get good and get to the Super Bowl, it almost it, might be a similar feeling. Yeah. Um, I was a little too young. I remember that, that was probably the first really se season I started watching the games on WGN. And there was a little bit of me like, oh, hey, why aren't cartoons on? But then it was like, hey, look at Harry Carey. This guy's a cartoon. And that's really kind of what got me into baseball. I remember a little of the 83 Sox team. Uh, mostly the playoffs, but how do um, you spell Morandini backwards? By the way, <laughs> a Harry lot easier have, than Harry certainly would have mentioned yeah. that at some point. Yeah, um, that '98 seed team, though, I, I, that was kind of the sweet spot of, of me being a baseball fan. I was 20 years old. I had some weird job in a warehouse out in Addison. I would listen <laughs> to the games while I was packing boxes, and then I'd come home and watch the end of the games and. Just kind of you know, a very special year. And even though it ended in a sweep, uh, you know, at the hand of the Braves, which I think everyone thought was coming, it, you yeah. know, in the NLDS, it, it, it still was cool. Well, um, it, 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 I think it was that way for baseball fans in general, um, just because yeah. of what was happening 
with Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. That was like the last time it was like as a story was as big as anything that happened in the NFL. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and the reason is is because like baseball gets so repetitive in like it's it's more of like the romantic side of it where you just like like going to the games, but like it takes you have to be a really, really hardcore baseball fan to really care every single day. But what was going on, especially in June when Sammy hit what 21, 22 home runs, whatever the number was, he, he he it was like you had to tune in every day to be like, is he going to do it again? Yeah, like you could not miss, you could <laughs> yeah, yeah, not yeah, miss yeah. an at bat in the middle of the season, yeah. and that's I don't know that baseball's been able to recapture that in quite some time. Like at some point, the home run <laughs> lost its romanticism i mean that was like the coolest thing well, you could it was do all in sports. fake it all turned yeah. out to be it right. all turned out to be bs and, and i don't know and it was pretty exciting it was fun it was. no it was oh, at the yeah, time yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah, at the time but, it was but to then have it years later just but are you like, as yeah. impressed as a home run now in 2022 as you were back then well there's a lack no. of tr- there's a trust there's a trust factor that this is how i feel at least yeah like i don't trust anything anymore after what happened right and, and so that's where it's just and also, they're not hitting them at the same pace. I mean, now you're you're lucky if your favorite player hits a home run every four or five days. Right. This was right, like right, every right. single day, multiple right. times per game. <laughs> it was kind of ridiculous. <laughs> it was insane. We, we should have really known something was going on. I think we I think probably should have known. Yeah, we yeah. did. All right, let's move on to our next team, the 2001 Chicago Bears, which... It's a good team. Was it? It was fun. They was were 13-3. All I can think of is is Mike Brown taking two picks to the end zone, right? That's the yep. team. Yep. Back-to-back uh, back 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 games weeks. in overtime. Yeah. That was amazing. I don't think we will ever see a stretch, a two-week stretch like that in Chicago Bears football again. And I, I, I definitely remember where I was for both of those. Um, 2001 was interesting because they actually cut Cade McNown in training camp, which I can't even get my head around that happening now. <laughs> Yeah, a rookie, uh, not a rookie, but a first-round draft pick quarterback cut before he even gets to the last year of his rookie deal. I mean, there's there have been examples recently where teams have just said, you know, this isn't working, move sure. on. Josh Rosen being one of them, trading them really quick. But to just cut the guy. Yeah, but doesn't doesn't that just show you, put such a spotlight on what a turd Cade McNown really was <laughs> in Bears history? Like, you want to talk about bad draft picks. Yeah. He's at the top of the turd list. Yeah, and he's just disappeared. Like yes, no one's heard from Cade no. McNown since. No, he he was traded to the Dolphins, and then, then I think again to the 49ers, But he never stepped on an NFL football field ever no. again, um, which was interesting. But so Jim Miller steps in. They lose that opener to Baltimore, and then they just rip off all these wins. The only time they lose is, of course, two losses to the Packers, which <laughs> which is almost kind of like yeah, we talk about fitting. the Bulls not being. You know, it's like the Bulls are doing great, but they're not yeah. beating great teams. What is a bear season if they can't beat the Packers at least once? Well, yeah, I mean, you just the people need to understand the Bears start every season zero and two, and that's just how it is. Um, but credit for them for winning the rest of the games. Yeah. Thirteen and three—that's um, that's quite an accomplishment. But you know, you look at some of the names on that team, and there were there was some talent. It was just sure. like it, Erlacher was just starting to really become He's a rookie, right? Erlacher, uh, second year, second year. Second year. Uh, Anthony Thomas was a rookie of the year as a A running back. Yep. So that, you know, Olin Krutz was part of that team and, and, uh, I I think was a pro bowler that year. Marty Booker was still on that team and they've just really, but it goes back to the quarterback position. 
like they got Jim Miller's best season that year. And yeah. then credit to them for making that decision. It's not easy to just cut or, you know, a first round quarterback and right. then say, no, we're gonna we're gonna go with this guy Jim Miller, who before had been a backup. Yeah, and he did pretty well. I mean, not there's not made very many playoff quarterbacks in recent years <laughs> history. So, but so you right, if it's Erlacher's second, see he's coming off yeah. rookie of the year, defensive rookie mm-hmm. of the year. Mike Brown was second. Was he second that year? Net? I don't know. He might have been like I'm yeah. pretty sure he was top three. Okay. They also had James <clears throat> so Williams, he had talent. Ted he had Washington talent. on that team. Yeah, and, and the thing that, that sticks out with that is they had been really bad. I mean, the, yeah. the late 90s was as bad as it gets. For I mean, yeah. people think the Bears are bad now. Like, they don't know what it was like <laughs> at the tail end of that, those Wanstead years. And, I mean, it was fan apathy was very low. I remember in 2001 wanting to go out and buy Bears gear, and it was honestly a challenge. I mean, you obviously didn't have things like Fanatics, but I remember going to Sports Authority and Sport Mart trying to find Christmas gifts that year, and there wasn't bear stuff at the stores. Like, it had to catch up. Uh, I had a girlfriend at the time. She somehow ended up gifting me with a David Terrell jersey. Nice. <laughs> I no longer have that jersey. Why not? Nor the girlfriend. No? Uh. Hmm. So. <laughs> but, yeah, so then they get in. They actually get the buy. They go up against uh, Philadelphia in the – and, you know, stop me if you've heard this before. But it was actually not as close of a game as 2018. Uh, but Hugh Douglas comes out and just actually, you know, I think straight up murders Jim Jim Miller. They actually had to excavate, excavate him from the turf that, that game. <laughs> and uh, do you remember who scored the only touchdown for the Bears that game? In that game? Yeah. Uh, Against the Eagles. He's a, he's a, oh, a Wisconsin uh, uh, Yeah, Ahmad Merritt did. Ahmad Merritt. Yes. Wow. Yes, Ahmad Merritt I, did. You could have given me three weeks to get that answer. I never would have pulled that. Only, if it's not the only <laughs> touchdown, it was the first touchdown. I think the only reason I know that is, uh, and shout out to Ahmad, I used to play basketball with him, and Ahmad Merritt will remind you that he scored the only <laughs> touchdown in that game. So. Just As like, he should. Just, yes. like, Wani I mean, he should. just yeah. like Wani will always point out to you, you know who won the last uh, road playoff game for the Bears, who the head coach was? Dave Wanstead. That's right. <laughs> Dave Wanstead. Minnesota. So the next season was that champagne season. We won't talk about that. That was They were 4-12, and 12, but <laughs> 2001, if it wasn't great, it at least, like you said, um, seeded the franchise with some of its cornerstones for the next Great period, our you know our friend Nolan Crutes and Erlacher and others. So, anyhow, the best way to support CHGO is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. If you do that right now, you will get two risk-free bets up to two thousand dollars. You can use it uh, at the Chicago Regional Games if you want. That's not it. If you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you will receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content. And you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO Locker. That is $2,000 in free bets, a free CHGO membership, and a free T-shirt from the CHGO Locker, all for making a $50 first-time deposit at PointsBet. If you have any questions, you can email us at pointsbet at allchgo.com, and we will help you out. PointsBet is your home for live in-play betting, and it just got even better. Introducing PointsBet's new feature, live college basketball, same game, par- same game parlay. For the first time ever, you can build the perfect live same game parlay only with PointsBet. Combine your favorite bets anytime during the game. You want more? You can also boost your live same game parlays. Watch live, parlay live, and boost live with PointsBet. 
And now there's online signup is available at Illinois. You can download the PointsBet app right now and register your account from start to finish all from your phone. Plus, during PointsBet March Match Madness, all users can earn up to $100 in free bets. During each round, just place a $50 pregame wager and get a free $20 live bet to be used for that round. So what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. Gambling problem? Call one 800 522-4700. All right, let's move on to your team. These. Well, yeah, which team we got next? Southside. Southside. Oh, yeah, I've heard of them. Uh, <laughs> are, are we going uh, 2000 or 2005? Well, let's do chronological. Yeah, okay. So 2000. Um, they're two different teams. They really are. Yeah, they are. No, well, who's on the two thousand socks? Remind. Well, you had my foggy. Frank. You had Frank Thomas, obviously. Yeah, and he freaked out. I mean, he, he uh, unbelievable. OPS Black, over a thousand, right? Yeah. Uh, Still on two thousand. Okay, so here, no, I he was gone by then. Your rotation was James Baldwin. Okay. Jim Parquet, Mike Soratka, Kel Eldred, who had this like is a, very surprising. A career, Eldred, yeah, yeah, career year, and Kip Wells, who. Wow. Was the up and coming phenom who really didn't work out? Uh, I think they ended up trading him to Pittsburgh. I want to say, right? Did they get John Garland back for him or something like that? Something like that. I have to look that back up. Um, and then Mark Burley ends up making his debut that year, and he, talk about guys coming out of nowhere as surprises. Thirty yeah. eighth round draft pick, yeah. um, and he was really more of a reliever that year. Of course, he would end up having a great relief moment in 2005 in the it World sure Series. Uh, but by then, he was obviously established starter. Yeah. And uh, Harold Baines getting 68 plate appearances on that team. Um, so, 95 wins for that team. Um, I'll also never forget the thing that kind of sparked their season was the fight against the Detroit Tigers That's in right. April. <laughs> uh, and that was... A fight to end all fights. In, Everyone was fighting the Tigers back then too. Like well, every AL Central team had a fight against the Tigers, but the the Sox one was awesome. Like if you want to call that up on YouTube after this, don't go now. But um, that is a, that is worth your five or six minutes. So sounds like the Tigers were to blame. <laughs> they <laughs> certainly were. Um, don't we have a Detroit Sox chant somewhere we that we could? <laughs> I mean, that fight was bloody. It was like it kept going. It was in like five different areas of the field. There's like another <laughs> yeah. brawl going on in right field while there's one on. Like it was unbelievable. Um, but they kind of played that way the rest of the year. And unfortunately, get to the playoffs and had a pretty quick exit against the Seattle Mariners, which it was very see. abbreviated. Um, I remember. So that was at the tail end of them just getting their teeth kicked in every single year by the Cleveland Indians. Uh, the year before, they finished 21 and a half games behind the yeah. Indians, and they were in second place. I mean, the Indians were just a juggernaut. Um, and I think that season, everyone was just kind of waiting around to see if they were for real. They had a seven-game road trip where they went out to Cleveland, and then they had four games against the Yankees, which at that time was the Yankees. Right. Um, they swept all seven of them. Yeah. And they came back here, and it was a Monday night. Uh, Cleveland was here. And I don't know if they still do the half half price tickets on Monday, but that used to be like a huge thing. It was unbelievable. I mean, you could go to games for like nine bucks and yes. still sit on the one hundred level. And that's like when we would always go because it was yeah. affordable. And I remember we went, and it was that was a hard ticket. 
It was sold out. I mean, everyone was just welcoming back. And Bartolo Colon pitches for the Indians, and they chase him in, like, the fifth inning. And, you know, Nancy Faust is still there at the time, and she kicks in with that organ. And it was just the na-na-na-na was just uh, thundering. I mean, it was the only time I've heard it match since is like when they used to chase Zambrano during a, a crosstown classic. Do they still do it? Because I've always like a little bit. I, I, yeah, I know Nancy's not there, yeah. but like, no, that they was still my, play it. That like as a kid, I went to some Sox games. Yeah, um, and that was always that was the highlight it was of the amazing, game, wasn't right? it? Like, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to think. I think they played it uh, in the playoff game too, like the last game they the played. One that they won. Uh, no, I, I, yes, that yeah. was loud. But I think they actually snuck it in there somewhere in the last game when they were getting killed. Oh. And I was like, I was like, I don't know. know. I, I don't know. know. I, yeah, read the room. That that's something when when they're doing well, even during the regular season. I don't know why the Sox wouldn't do that all the time. Because yeah, it was, I think they it, mostly it, from my childhood. That's what I. That's my. That's but my you, positive it, you, it memory. It has of, to be the right thing. It has to be a packed ballpark. Oh yeah, everyone's yeah, got to yeah. be in the game. You yeah, just yeah. can't do it in April when people are off. You know, but those opportunities churros. could be coming this year. Sure, and yeah. I I would like to see that more for the Sox. Yeah. Hear it more, I should say. Harold Baines was on that team. Yeah, what did you say? Sixty-eight. Uh, uh, he had uh, sixty-eight plate appearances 68 as a forty-one-year-old. Yeah, I love like those those weird like comeback cameos by Chicago athletes. You know, like when when Scottie Pippen was playing with Eddie Curry and and Tyson oh, yeah. Chandler for whatever reason. <laughs> like, right well, I, now, and there's a ton of those. We should probably just yeah. do an entire that's episode. A, that's on next those. week's episode. Sure. Now, comparing the 2000 White Sox to the 2005 White Sox in terms of which one's more surprising. I mean, I think you have to give it to the 05 team in the end because of what they did yeah. in the playoffs. But I would actually argue that their success in the regular season that year wasn't as surprising as what they did in 2000. Like, to me, 2000 came a little bit more out of nowhere. It, people forget that in 03 and 04, they had pretty good teams that just couldn't quite get over the hump. And I remember kind of faded in September. Yeah, in 04, uh, Frank got hurt late in the season. Maglio got hurt late in the season. And there was an awful uh, moment. I shouldn't say awful. It was just it was like a statement by the Twins. Torrey Hunter ran over Jamie Burke at home plate and just like stomped. And it, it the White Sox fans there, and I was sitting behind home plate at the time, like everybody was so mad. But it was just sort of this reminder like, no, this is still the Twins division. And they went on, and and they went on to win the division that year. And lose at the playoffs. And, yeah, like they always do. I think that was the start of their their drought, their playoff. But postseason, that is number one for surprise. Yeah, well, right? so like, I'm just I mean, saying, th- right? The moves they season, made now, the yeah. moves they made going into '05 were surprising, like trade Carlos Lee to let Magliardonias walk. But you know, credit to Kenny Williams for putting that team together, making those tough moves. It wasn't shocking to me at the start of 05 when they were in first place. Um, it was maybe it was surprising that I think that they went wire to wire, and then it was definitely surprising that they maintained it in the playoffs and went 11 and one in the postseason. So I think for the full picture, that has to be the the winner there. I agree. the The 2005 White Sox like that. that Remember they went in there and they were always oh, Aussie ball. We got rid of Carlos. Yeah. We got rid of Mags. And I always thought that was just a cost-saving thing. This was just some slick marketing. And I still kind of believe that. But the way that Pitsednik paid off, the way that Iguchi paid off, the way that Bobby Jenks, a waiver wire uh, pickup, paid off and despite not even coming in you know, halfway through the season. Was that the Shingo year? 
Cliff, well, it Cliff was Pleat. So right. 04 was the year Shingo like really had all of his success. 05 was when everybody figured him out. Yeah. And he couldn't. They're right. Yeah. Cliff was, the beat. was unhittable in the postseason. No, Hermanson started well, the year as a I think Shingo started that year as a closer. He was so bad, they put Hermanson in, and then he got Herman. hurt, and then they went to Bobby oh, Jenks. Big bad Bobby Jenks. Yeah. yeah 2005. Here comes I, Bobby. I, the, I never really thought that we would see a World <laughs> Series champion in this town. I and mean, especially without him. Frank Thomas playing most of the season. Yeah, he right. goes down yep. around Memorial Day. and He had a stretch, though, in that season where he came back. I think it was I think it was the month of May. He he came back healthy because he didn't start the year healthy. He comes back and he just like, I think he hit twelve home runs in like a month or something, and then he got hurt again. But I hosted uh, some post game lives for that 05. Did you? Yeah, very random. Any good stories? It, well, it was our it was Comcast Sportsnet launched that year, so that was like Parker Studio, uh, in studio, in studio, yeah. And we just kind of we had, it was different. Chuck. Garfine didn't do all the post games then. He did a lot of reporting. And so just kind of, I, I believe Josh Mora was the guy doing the post games uh, during yeah. the World Series. Josh. Um, and yeah, I did a lot of them with Bill, Bill Melton. And it was, it was a lot of fun because it was randomly you do one team, then you do the other team. And Sweet. I hadn't watched any White Sox baseball at all going into like the five years before that. I was living down in Texas. I wasn't yeah. watching White Sox baseball. So yeah. it was it was pretty cool that they were good, surprisingly really good. And then, um, yeah, it was pretty cool. So you're saying the White Sox are definitely going to win the World Series this year because we launched. That's correct. That's what I'm saying. Every time I, I'm part of a launch, yep. that would be uh, somebody guaranteed. wins something. That would be fortuitous. Um, Check out the code of points bet, CHGO. You heard it here first. credit for it. Yep. And it was the last time. <laughs> Very interesting. Um, yeah, I think, you know, Frank Thomas, we talked about uh, going back to 2000. That it was such a monster year. And he he, I, he was robbed by the uh, of the MVP because Giambi won that year. He's, he's still mad. He's still mad about that. He should that. be. Wait, wait, I'm sorry, Frank? Yeah, yeah. oh, yeah, Frank's not yeah, happy yeah, about yeah. that. Yeah. Frank, he was so good. Man, when he was – you just go back to that 2000 year. I mean, he, to, to OPS over 1,000, just nobody – the way he hit was uh, that was really special. It's too bad that it 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 ended not only with injuries down the stretch because a lot of careers end that way, but there was like that friction between him and the team. And, right. and then he yeah. leaves, and then he goes to Oakland and almost wins an MVP yeah. out there. So. Yeah, and I was at the game when he came back to the South Side yeah. with the A's. He had two home runs in that game, uh, and it was a it might have been a Monday night too. Like yeah. it might have been one of those half price Mondays. I remember it was a weekday comes in the whole crowd goes nuts standing ovation hits a home run and actually the crowd cheered for him for that one like because it was it was a cool moment even though it was yeah. against the white Sox. next time he comes up hits another home run the whole crowd boos right that's <laughs> like the, all right that was enough <laughs> isn't that the famous uh kenny williams argument where he says stay out of white Sox business to frank via uh the media that's right i'm pretty sure that yes, was yeah, you're right i think you're 2005 right. Some cool suggestions in, in the uh, the chat from uh, our buddy Jack Silverstein. He actually mentions the '94 Bulls, which is probably we probably should have had them on the list because that '94 team with with Pippen, that was a ride. I mean, thinking that everything was going to fly south, and obviously they, did, they didn't win the title, but 55 wins and all the drama that kind of came out of that was was pretty good. So well, and Jack mentions that it really is partly because of how well they did to right. to almost get to the same level as 93 without Michael Jordan. 
was a pretty good accomplishment. I mean, you could say other than the Bulls dynasty and then the Blackhawks second two championships, any winning season in Chicago sports history has been somewhat surprising <laughs> for you. Yeah, you saw the 85 Bears coming because they had been in the NFC title game. Yeah. You saw the Bears, uh, the, the Blackhawks coming for the most part. You still had to make that jump. I would say, and we're going to get to this team after after this break, but I, I would say you saw the 2015 Cubs company. We, we, we could talk more about that later. Yeah, I'll say it was early. Um, hey, guys, our next uh, partner here that we've been talking about is a product that I've been using literally every day. I started taking AG1 from Athletic Greens because, like a lot of us, you know, I didn't have time. I wanted better gut health, more energy, an optimized immune system. Now I've been taking it for uh, two and a half weeks or so, and I love it. It doesn't taste like... It's one of those super healthy things, you know. It's good. It's kind of mild, tropical taste. I look forward to taking it in the morning. So what is it? Ah, one scoop of AG1. You're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help start your day right. A special blend of ingredients supporting your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, your recovery, your focus, and very important for me, your aging all things very important. So I get a noticeable boost of energy in the morning I take it. So if you're keto, you're paleo, you're vegan, you're gluten-free, you're dairy-free, you're all safe with AG1. You're investing in an all-in-one nutritional insurance for th- less than three bucks a day. It's recommended by professional athletes, and it has more than 7,000 five-star reviews. So right now, it's time to reclaim your health, and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. Just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash, in my case, CHGO Cubs, your case, CHGO Bears, put your favorite team after CHGO, uh, CHGO Sox maybe. Again, this is athleticgreens.com to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Hope you're enjoying everything here at CHGO. We do podcasts and live shows on every team every day, uh, and all of those are free. Uh, we've been doing great post-game shows about the Bulls, even though they've been, they've been losing. <laughs> Matt and Big Dave and, and Will have been amazing. The, the rants have been great. Uh, the Blackhawks guys were here late last night. They'll be here late again tonight. So, like, if you're still super into the Blackhawks, and that's what I love about CHGO. Like, this, this is for super fans. Like, these are people who are still tuning into a lost Blackhawks season because they want to hop on the ride with Jay Greg and Mario, and and really be there as they build back up again. Uh, but you know, if you want premium written content for members at All CHGO or dope merch, uh, you can sign up for a membership. Every membership uh, gets a free shirt when you become an annual member, and you also get access to the members only Discord. So if you like these chats uh, during you know something like this, or or during the Bears podcast or the Cubs podcast. Log on in there because those are places that uh, there's a lot of team talk going on during the games. So uh, go on go on over to uh, allchgo.com and, and become a member. All right, let's move on and finish this off. We're talking a little bit more about recent history here. And we before going to that break, we, we mentioned the 2015 Cubs. Yeah. And I know, like, look, a lot of things had to go right. Anthony Rizzo had to 
to work out. Jake Arietta had to become the most amazing pitcher in the, a year and a half stretch ever. Uh, but I still think we saw it coming a little bit, but it was like, it, even in that season, though, that first half wasn't all that great. No, I mean, it's not as stunning as 84 or 98 that we talked about already. But for the yeah. Cubs, it was a young group that was expected to start doing that more in 2016. So when they got to the postseason and they beat the Cardinals, it was like, oh, wait. I'll tell you how surprising it was to this particular Cubs fan, and okay. this will show you how confident I was that that Cubs team in 2015 was going to go nowhere. About midseason, my wife and I decided that's going to be when we get married, the NLCS. I was so confident the Cubs would not be in the NLCS that mm -hmm. I scheduled my wedding day for the NLCS game two. That's how conf That's why I know it was surprising for me. They were good, but I didn't think they were that okay. good. I thought, man, they might get to the postseason, but they're long gone before <laughs> that. We're safe with the NLCS. Turns out I was wrong. Yeah, I mean, I'll buy the idea that you probably didn't think they were going to go that far. No, so it's a surprising season. But I still, this is like almost the, the same conversation we are having about this year's Bulls team earlier. It's like adjusting expectations midseason because they struggled so much early and they really didn't struggle too much. They were just struggling to get over 500 because mm -hmm. I remember doing shows that year on WGN and like I I thought going in that year that they were going to take off. Like again, I don't know if I thought in NLCS, but I thought that they had a realistic shot to make the playoffs and it felt like everything you had followed with this Cubs rebuild that that was when they finally got to the point where they should start winning games. And so by the end of the season, they did get to that point. So I didn't, maybe it's just because I'm coming from it from like the Sox standpoint, maybe a more neutral standpoint when it comes to that. Like I, I'm not, I don't really think that they were that surprising. That but year. Adam, it was yeah. a different time in Cubs history back then. They had never given you that. They hadn't won the World Series, so all they had done was disappoint the fans. But they had Theo. So I will say this. Like now, no faith they were going to beat the Cardinals. In, in this day and age of baseball and the, the statistics and modeling that we have, I would say that there is very, there's very little room for surprises yeah. because the variances, like we know where everything kind of shifts. So we see like the distribution of possible outcomes. So it's not like 84 when – Really, we're not reading everything every day. There's not five Cubs podcasts a day a week here at CHGO. It was like, oh, hey, then they're right. somehow good. Um, that team jumped from 70, 73 wins to 97. They were the third best team in the league. They finished third in the uh, the NL Central, but they were still they still had the third best overall. So I think from from that standpoint, and you still needed Chris Bryant to come up and be Rookie of the Year. You still needed Madden to come up and and really gel into it um, like he did with the Rays. So I think from that standpoint, but we still were kind of, we all like backing you up. It's like, we knew that, that Theo had a plan and that it had borne fruit in Boston and that it was probably going to bear fruit here. If we were just patient with it. But you know that the number one trait of any Chicago sports fan is the first <laughs> thing you that you learn is negativity. Yep. Yeah. Our, our first reaction is negativity. And so in my mind, I was saying, did you watch 07 and 08 when they were swept out of the postseason? Great. These young guys are going to be good eventually. 
You have no idea that Bryant's going to be that good. And if they were to get to the postseason, well, it's just going to be heartbreak again. Yeah. You know, that, that's what you assume. Well, and at that I, point, and, and I'll say this too: like I, I definitely think there's a difference in how you're you're viewing it because you're coming from it as like the Cubs fan, right. where everything always goes wrong, and not that things are always great with the White Sox, but they had won a World Series, correct? And and I was looking at it from like the more neutral. Okay, I'm covering this for WGN. Everything for the rebuild has kind of gone as planned, as Theo has said, and like this should be the year they take that step forward, um, and that ended up being how it played out and I will never forget like I we did uh post game shows on WGN radio even though um that was the first year they think they were off WGN if I remember right but we were still doing post game shows um and they get swept by the Mets right right and I was doing these with Andy Mazur and Mark Carmen and they're just like you know now at that point <laughs> You know, they're, they're, they're big Cubs guys. Uh, and, yeah. Are you and, twisting the knife uh, at all? or No, but what I'm saying is they were like, okay, it's okay. We had, like, this great successful season. And I'm like, how are you guys not yeah, mad about how awful that. of a playoff series <laughs> yeah. that was? They they didn't show up. They were horrible. They yeah. did, they were non-competitive. And they got swept by the Mets, who weren't even that great. They had good pitching that year. They all fell apart after that. But um, – I'm like, your expectations should be higher. You have Theo Epstein. These expectations should be high, and you should win the World Series next year, which With the exception of 2016, the NLCS and the Cubs have never mixed. So, (laughs) And, guys, the thing I remember most from that series was Daniel Murphy. Yeah. What he did in that series was incredible. He was like a superhero. (laughs) He totally was. The evil kind. He got beat by Daniel Murphy. (laughs) So, all right, let's move on to the 2018. We had two teams left. Um, I'm, I'm... Keeping a surprise team here oh. uh, for you guys because I, Ooh. but uh, the 2018 Bears, this is the most recent one uh, up until this other one, but everything kind of went right there. 13, yeah. they, they were 13 and three, 12, no, 13, three, 12 and four. They could have been like 15 and one. If, yeah, they I mean, lost two awful games that year. They lost to the Giants, they lost to the Dolphins. Uh, both games on the road. The Dolphins game, Brock Osweiler started. Yeah, and let, let's let's say that the, uh, <laughs> the the hail mary against the Patriots lands. They were one yard away. Kevin White's. Could you imagine if that one team had finished fifteen and Kevin one? White. Then then they would be by far like the most surprising team on this list. Um, you know, the finish was surprising too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, wasn't surprising. It, actually, that part to me was not surprising because if you watch the whole season, they had kicking problems the entire time. People forget about the game where Cody Parkey hit the upright four times against yeah. the Lions. I, I didn't forget. Like, about that. if that's not a warning <laughs> sign, I don't know what is. Yeah. Like, they should have been working from that point on to replace the kicker, and they they really did. I think one week they brought in some guys for a tryout, and it was but it was more so just to motivate him. I had so much fun. That, I had so much fun that season, though, because it it had been so long, and I, it was it was built around defense and takeaways, and it was just everything that we loved as a Bears fan. It's like okay, maybe Trubisky can work out, and they were just winning the games that, and then going in and punching people in the mouth, and it's everything we think Bears football should be, but really lives up to. Yeah, um, I had a blast. Club Dub, Club Dub was big then. And I, I think rock and club actually had, it was actually open a lot <laughs> that year. And I think so much of the fallout <laughs> of these last three years and, you know, it's, it just has really been rooted in that disappointment that that did not turn into 
you know, being a 2015 Cubs type of launching pad or 2008, 2009 Blackhawks type launching pad. It, that's, it was just a standalone season. And really kind of when you look back is, you know, it's kind of like the 2001 bears in a lot of ways. It really is. Um, and you know, they trade for Khalil Mack right before the season starts. They, have one of the, you know, to your point about how they could have been 15-1, they should have won that game against Green Bay to start the year. <laughs> they blew that game. Um, also, surpri- second half was surprising. Well, right? they had been six, there were a lot of surprises. They six, yeah. Well, they would have had a first-round <laughs> buy, so then the Rams may have, would the Rams have come here for the uh, round? No, I think they would have gone to L.A. was... I'm saying if they were 16-0. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that would have happened. Um well, yeah, you would have had a buy. Yeah, you would have had somebody come here. I, I just, I actually th- predicted them to go ten and six that year. Mm-hmm. I thought that they were going to take a step forward. Um, that was, I think, I think I made that prediction right after the Khalil Mack trade. You knew their defense was going to take a big step forward because um, Vic Fangio had been here already and. Like, they had built that thing up. They managed to keep him. So you were thinking, all right, that side of the ball is not going to take any type of step back. Trubisky with Matt Nagy, this, you know. NFL coach of the year. Yeah, NFL, right? Surprising now when you you look back at it. And in reality, you go back and really look at it, the offense didn't really take off. It was gimmicky. They had pieces. Like, Tariq Cohen was fun. Allen Robinson helped. But the as a players. whole, the offense really wasn't that good. Trubisky was – they were living off short fields, takeaways, getting those – the living off everything the defense was giving them um, at that point. So it was a special season. In hindsight, it is definitely a very surprising season when you look at how everything else went. That was the season uh, that Trubinsky guy had the big game <laughs> in Tampa Bay, right? Didn't he have, didn't he have like – was that his six-touchdown game? Oh, that, that was at right home. Year? It was it against was here, Tampa. Yeah. It was here, but it was in, it was at Soldier Field. Yeah, he Trubinsky was good <laughs> that day. That 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 defense was horrible. <laughs> was was Lovey still the coach of the Bucks in that game? Or it might have been right after they fired him. I, yeah, think. I don't think so. Dirk Cutter was, I think, probably that coach. Yeah, Trubisky looked good that day. That's for sure. No question about that. All right. So uh, this has actually been mentioned by Jack in the in the chat, and we talked about this during yesterday's meeting. That the uh, 2021 Chicago Sky. Oh yeah, we talked mm-hmm. about the 2005 White Sox. The, actually, the surprise ended in a in a championship. The 2021 Chicago Sky. There was huge expectations when they signed Candace Parker for the homecoming. She gets hurt. Her ankle rolls her ankle early on, misses a few games. They start off one and seven, and then they get they, they have a good stretch, and then they kind of just trade off wins and, and losses, and then you know. I was paying attention. I, last year was kind of really the first year I started paying a little bit. I actually started paying attention right after um, the pandemic when when Allie Quigley had the the horse competition on ESPN. Right, that yeah, was yeah, the only yeah. thing to watch, and she beats Chris Paul and, and Courtney Vandersloot oh, there yeah. in their backyard. Yeah. She, was she she was hurt at the beginning of the season too? I think so. that's right. Along with Parker, they were both hurt, and it was like they had that. It, it was. Champions yeah. for the first time in franchise history, championship expectations, and one in seven. And you were like, so then they're they, the worst team. They the get into a right position now. where they're they're in that those those weird uh, opening round playoff games in the WNBA. Where I think they've gotten rid of this now, um, but it's winner go home for two rounds, and they go and they win both, and then they get into the two rounds, and then they beat 
um, Las Vegas, which is w- w- a power in the WNBA, and then they beat Phoenix, which is led by arguably the Michael Jordan of women's basketball, <laughs> and, you know, Diana Taurasi. So that was kind of an unexpected run, I think, because of how it started, but it, it ended up kind of really being a fun moment for Chicago sports. I mean, I think it's going to change the way people look at the Chicago Sky. Ready has changed the way that yeah. people look at the WNBA in Chicago and the Chicago Sky and ticket sales are going to be totally different now and yeah it was it wasn't surprising because they had added Parker and that gave the headline of you know Sky going for it all this can be their player but when they started that poorly and she was hurt and he didn't know how bad it was it was kind of like this is another Chicago again yeah the, the the old bitter Chicago in me was like, just another <laughs> Chicago sports story. Here we go. So it was surprising for sure. Man, it was fun. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, it was really fun watching them yeah. down the stretch and surprise, like you're saying, in the playoffs the way they did because they, they didn't have the easiest run, that's for sure. Chicago is, is obviously a football town. Then it's a baseball town. But it is a very underrated basketball town because our gyms, when there's a great team, whether it's the Bulls, whether it's DePaul, whether it's Westinghouse or Simeon, when there is a star team and you get, you know, familiar with all the players on the court and what they can do and what they bring to the table, people buy in. And that's what happened with the Chicago Sky. When you, when you learn, okay, this is what Courtney Vandersloot does, and she's just a machine up and down the court, and, and she's an assist machine, and she owns all these assist rest records, and Allie Quigley, her wife, can knock down anything, and uh, Kaleo Copper is is – you know, from Philadelphia and just cannot be intimidated and just comes up with that Philly swag. And then, you know, what, what Candace Parker brings it to me, it was very exciting. And like you, like you said, it's really, it was really a watershed moment for that franchise, which had been looking for one since its inception in, you know, 2006, 2007. Well, and picking back off what you just said, I realized like from a fan perspective, it might be more of a football or baseball town but i would argue that in terms of playing sports oh yeah this is a basketball town yeah, yeah. like that that there's no question that's the sport that chicago has the most talent hoop in dreams yes yeah. absolutely Go i mean back it goes back dreams yeah. which is why i think it's always frustrating i just saw herb lawrence walk in here that the illini can't have more <laughs> success um because you know there's there's just this pipeline that should be right. going south to champagne and it's going it's going to Michigan State or it's it's going up to Wisconsin or wherever and and that would be really frustrating because they're going to Memphis or Memphis like look who just won the state title this year Glenn Bard West Glenn Ellen like who would have thought that they a, a team from Glenn Ellen would be able to put together that great of a team they lost one game uh to LeBron James kid over at uh, at Wintrust and that was an you know like like you pick any pocket of Chicago or the suburbs, there's probably a, a good basketball team that someone can point to and say, I, I remember that team. Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's just so much talent. So it, it, to me, it's always been and always will continue to be a basketball town. Well, we, we appreciate uh, the, uh, the Illinois teams letting Frank Kaminsky escape yeah. to, uh, to Wisconsin. So. <laughs> I was very, right. very I'm staying nice. out of this. <laughs> All right, that's it for this week's CHGO podcast. Thanks for joining us. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, CHGO underscore sports, and check out those memberships. We'll see you here next Thursday at 1230.